Post Podcast, Adam Doe, Nikki Chung, Norman Chu. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the Doe Post. Um, so you, you guys are two close friends of mine from high school. And back then, you, what was that, Norman? <laughs> what, go ahead. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately? Okay. We're paid. <laughs> you know, you guys might be the only people I bring on who like will roast me during this podcast, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Like, go ahead. Wait, what are you talking about? Not even close. Not even true. Anyways, moving on. You guys were uh, some of the first people our age, I guess, to start their own businesses before even graduating high school. So I just wanted to talk more about that. Um, can you guys just introduce yourselves? Um, starting off with Norman, of course. Um, how did we all meet? Like, how did we all come together, guys? Um, I think you and I met uh, back in freshman year. Uh, it was actually during freshman orientation. Um, I think that I, I was like coming out uh, where well, we just finished orientation and I was hanging out with some of my friends and I think we had a mutual friend uh, that I was talking to and then I just see this random dude uh, high dang doe everyone's like yo dude this guy's kind of cute etc etc and then you're pretty chill we talked a little bit and I think that you were into water polo was it at the time yeah I, so. I wasn't I wasn't into it I was just you know doing it so I can move school districts from uh, my old one to the new one that we were at. Oh, so like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah, so that, I think that's how we met. But Nikki and I met back in, I believe, eighth grade. Well, it was eighth grade. We, knew, we knew of each other, yeah. uh, seventh grade, but we officially like met eighth yeah. grade. You want to tell the story, Norman? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, uh, that's irrelevant. I know the story, but uh, we don't need to broadcast that to people. True. Um, okay. And I think uh, I did meet you after orientation, and then we actually had freshman English together. So yeah. I remember we were, it was really weird. We were both sitting on the floor during like um, the icebreakers for our English class. And then I turned to my right, and you were sitting right there. And I was like, I know you. We, we met somewhere before. Do you remember that, right? We were, I, I kind of, I vaguely remember that class, uh, just a couple projects that I remember of, but uh, I think the icebreaker was like, like some sort of like bingo where you have to like find people uh, and then it'll, it'll say like, oh, exercises every other day or something. And then you just check that off. But yeah. Um, and we also produced the award-winning um our version of of uh, Hamlet, right? Or no, 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 not Hamlet. Romeo and Juliet. Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Yep, yep. And then I think we were literally the first people who gotten like a hundred percent on that project. Not trying to boast or anything, but um, yeah, like her class was kind of tough because she rarely gave out A's. Yeah, I, I guess she just really, really liked that project somehow. And Nikki, for you, I'm kind of like unsure of how we met. I'm, yeah, no, I don't remember either. I think. Honestly, I just knew of you because you're the new kid. And everybody's like, yo, new kid. And everybody talks about the new kid, you know. So that's probably how I knew of you. But I don't remember how I met you exactly. Right. I think we were part of like one of the many um, big Asian cliques on campus. Yeah. And we, were, well, we just I mean, happened that, to that be was, the same one. Uh, our school is predominantly Asian. So <laughs> yeah. it's like say, y'all, uh, one clique is basically an Asian clique. Uh, but yeah, I think that, uh, we had our own little circle starting, was it sophomore year? 
or junior year. But sophomore year, I think. Yeah, and then we had our own little corner. I yeah. remember that. That was pretty fun. <laughs> I I remember moving around a lot and just because because I didn't come from your middle school, I I didn't really know anyone when I got there, so it made sense for me to just meet a lot of people and just hang out with different people. So I didn't really have my own group going into high school. Yeah. So what made you settle with us? Uh, I don't know. You guys just were always available, you know? <laughs> you said, so we're just no, convenient I'm joking. Now. I don't That's know. <laughs> I, I, I like to hang out with you guys. You guys were like, you guys were like the, the nerd group kind of. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa. Oh, I don't know about Norman, but uh wait, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come on, man. Did you guys no, know man. that a couple days ago, June tenth, was the four year anniversary of our graduation? Was it June tenth? Yeah, June tenth. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. I was on Facebook and uh one of the memories was that a lot of people their pictures were June tenth and it had me in them. So it was like our four year anniversary. Was it like one photo or just, you know, just one, right? Um, what, do you, what, what do you mean? Oh, you know, because, uh, you, you know, the only one that you probably have pictures of is with us. Okay, Norman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the rest of high school, four years out, it's kind of re- like really murky to me. I don't really remember much. Wait, are you we talking got... about within the four years or the four years after? Within the four years. Maybe senior year, like, I remember more of, but then the rest of high school is just, like, a couple moments here and there. Yeah, actually, I think same. Um, The only thing that I remember um, throughout the high school years, uh, I guess freshman and sophomore year is more of just making friends. And then after that, it was actually the things I did. So when I talk to people who were in high school, like, they would always say, like, oh, you know, I don't really, I didn't really like it. I'm not sure what it is with uh, YouTube, but um, for me, I I thoroughly enjoyed my high school years. Um, and it's not because of like the drama or whatnot, it's because of the extracurricular activities and just things I did outside of school or the opportunities that were there in school that allowed me to, I guess, sort of shift my focus from academics to something bigger than myself. And I think that was really, really cool. And I really enjoyed that. And I still have them, those memories um, today. Yeah, I think for me, honestly, overall, I would say I enjoyed high school, like especially senior year. Um, freshman year was pretty fun too, because that was when I met everyone. It's like classes were easy. I actually didn't like sophomore or junior year that much because of all the SATs, AP stuff. That was really stressful. But I think I had a lot of fun senior year and then like overall high school with all the friendships I made and just, you know, having fun with everyone. I, I enjoyed the friend making part of high school, but then junior year was when I had like zero to seventh period. So that's classes starting at 7 a.m. and then ending with cross country practice, even though I didn't go sometimes. Dude, but, yeah, you ditched all the time. What do you mean? <laughs> right. Gets called out. <laughs> right. But I was still there sometimes. I was there for the, the coach's speech and then I left. So it still counts as part of the schedule. Anyways. Junior year was just exhausting for me, but I enjoy the friend-making process and extracurriculars, yeah, but the rest of it was just like, it was like we were on a work schedule, except we weren't getting paid and we weren't really working. It was like mandatory um, attendance for every day, five days a week for four years. 
Yeah, um, I think that people who had zero period had it really rough because I think most of the students in our high school, they had some sort of like after school activity uh, and majority of it was from sports. And for me, I had a uh, track and field. So even uh, we also had like an off season track and field practice type of thing. So it was, it was, it, it wasn't like, Oh, you know, we can slack off for the first uh, couple quarters and then track and field comes in in terms of season. But we basically would go to school really, really early and then leave at like four to 5 PM. And then, by that time you'd feel really exhausted when you get home so it's like okay you can't even focus on doing homework if you actually do homework but uh yeah it was really really tough and i think that um it was still a great memory though still a great memory yeah honestly i had a zero period and i did a cross country and track it was hell man i don't know how i did it and i maintained pretty decent grades so i'm like you put me in that situation today i probably won't even go do it yeah, true. I think, I think for for us, the if we had to summarize our four years in a couple of words, I'd I'd use boba hangouts, League of Legends. <laughs> that's two um, words. <laughs> that's two words. I don't know. The, those are probably the two words I'd use. <laughs> we, we did those. We did both of those a lot. I think. Yeah. Um, I skipping. See. Let's let's skip to senior year here. Um. I, I had no idea where I was going to college, but community college made a lot of sense. That, which, you know, is funny because I remember freshman year with you, Norman, we, we were kind of like making fun of people who, who were going to go to community college, but we ended up going to that same community college. We made fun of people for going to. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there's a, some sort of stigma for people going to community college or vocational school. And I think that I... I, I for me, I usually poke fun at things just, just because uh, that's just my personality. But I think I already uh, was planning on going to a community college, uh, I would say, by junior year. Um, so I honestly don't know why I tried so hard academically in terms of like, oh, making sure that I went above and beyond by turning in not just all my assignments, but putting in like hundred percent effort into my work just to get a better grade when I knew I didn't like my the bar was kind of set low in the sense of going to community college but from a financial perspective I think that's actually very very smart because although uh, I think I, I had this conversation with a couple people in terms of going to a four-year university uh, or college versus a community college and then transferring over and the I guess opportunity costs were that you know are you willing to give up the first two years of a university so for example uh you yourself hiding um I think you went to uh a community college for first two years and then you transferred over to UC Irvine right right yeah, so the opportunity cost would be like, okay, well, are you willing to sacrifice the first two experience, uh, first two years of experience in UCI, or are you willing to save money by going to a community college for two years, hopefully, and then transferring? So you basically end up the same with the same uh, reward slash outcome 
if you were to go to a community college and then transfer over to a four-year university if you are able to finish within two years in community college. So I guess that, uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, our conversation back then. I think it's definitely changed. And I think Nikki has the experience of going immediately to a four-year university. So I guess, Nikki, you probably have a little bit more perspective on that. I think, honestly, um, it depends on your financial situation. For me, I got financial aid. So it was, in my, in my perspective, it was pretty worth it for the first year, first two years, actually. I think um, mainly I would say the first year is worth it going to UCI is because you make a lot of friends. Like they basically force you to live on campus and it's a pretty good experience. And for me personally, I lived in Mesa Court where the apartments were all new and stuff. So everything was really cool. Everything was like fresh, clean. And we basically lived in a hall with people. We just talked like every week and we made a lot of friends, like really cool. And that's something you can't, like all the friendships you make in freshman year, they basically like kind of like force you to make. You can't really buy that with money. So I would say that experience was worth the money. Well, would you say that uh, if someone was shy versus someone who's outgoing, uh, like a personality type of thing, would that play a role into uh, making that decision like for example if I was really really shy I don't want to talk to people I'm an introvert would you recommend me if I was only looking for the experience part of this decision would you recommend me going to uh, for a university directly or I mean if you're shy it's like if you're shy in high school I guess when you transition to college it's time to break out of that shell it's perfect time for you to do so so I think I if think you're college it uh it it's a place for like many different kinds of uh, needs. It's uh, it services all those needs. So, um, you know, being extroverted or introverted, that's, that's a possible need. So if you're feeling like you're not ready or you're not socially ready for a four-year school, I think it's a good place to be. But, uh, you know, Norman, for me, I didn't really have like all that analysis down when I was making my decision on PCC. I, I, I probably fall into the category of just needing more time to like think things through um under the the shadow outside the shadow of like my parents i guess so pcc for me it was just like two years of extra time to do stuff that i am thinking about uh doing and but at the same time i'm like making the same progress as people my age and getting like a bachelor's degree so yeah and i think that uh you and i might be able to give some perspective on this but I think that after talking to a couple of students over at uh, the community college I went to, it was very weird because on one hand, you have people who are like, yo, I need to get out of here ASAP. And then on the other hand, it's like, you also have people who also tend to slack off as well. So I think that uh, in this case, there's also some sort of, um, sometimes like there's things that will pull you back because you're usually, you usually adapt to the environment around you. So when you see a bunch of people who aren't really motivated or, you know, tend to slack off and you're in that environment, you kind of might also slip into that mindset. So I guess there's that um, in terms of the counter argument towards uh, community college, but uh, I'm not sure how it is. It was with you, but for me, I think that I was, probably more motivated to get out than to, um, you know, just go at my own pace. But what, what about you? 
I, I, it was more for me, like going into community college, I wasn't even sure if college was right for me mm. until after the first year, I was like, you know, some people are better with their hands. So doing uh, more technical stuff, but I wasn't like that. So therefore college was more right for me than another path. And so my focus was just like, get out and go get to a four year school where there's more resources available. And then that could help me get like to a, some, some career path. But even going out of PCC, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do yet until first year of uh, UCI. Mm. Well, wait for you, Nikki, I think you are, uh, since you immediately went to uh, for university, did you already have an idea as to what you wanted to do? Um, I guess in the last year of high school? Yeah, I'm, uh, I think throughout high school, I've always wanted to do engineering. Um, I was, I, I just like the engineering aspect of everything and being creative. Um, also, it pays well. That's always a factor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wanted to be an engineer, so I went to UCI as a civil engineer. But, uh, you know, I started business and everything, and along the way, I kind of changed. And, yeah, here I am. Well, yeah. what about you, Haidang? Like, did did you already, well, you said you didn't figure it, or you didn't think it, if college was the right thing for you. So when did you have that sort of shift where you're like, okay, now I know what I want to do? Well, first off, let's just clarify. Um, these two guys, they, they call me Haidang because they've known me <laughs> a lot longer than most people. So, you know, just FYI, my uh, Vietnamese name is Haidang, and they met me as Haidang until I, changed my name to Adam at the end of freshman year in high school. So there's no fourth person in this call. It's, it's just me, me and them. <laughs> and then your question about knowing, uh, it hit me fall, fall of uh, third year of college at UC Irvine. I was walking around club day and there was a sports business association booth um, out there. And I went to talk to them and then, uh, you know, they were very green, just like me, like they, they were just starting out as well, but they just wanted a club to like organize people and host uh, speaker meetings and whatever. So that was like my first time even thinking about the possibility of having a career in the sports industry. Um, so I started going to like speaker meetings throughout that year. So this was just like last year, 2018, 2019. And fall quarter, I was just like, a homebody because I didn't want to go out. I was just really stressed about my grades still, but I eventually just got over the whole like, you know, grades defining your future success. But, you know, first year was kind of rough. It was a transition period. And you could, I tell people, I think I didn't really know or I didn't really commit to this until last summer when I was chosen for an internship with NBA Summer League. And only four people got chosen out of like a pool of 87. Um, so that, that was just, I was just thinking like, you know, you're not sure of the future, but you know, the universe has handed you this internship that like so many other people would love to have. So maybe this is like a sh uh, something that you should really pursue. And last February I got hired part-time by the Clippers. So that was like kind of like a second signal to me that this is kind of an industry that you would fit in. So 
just like those two those two signs you know like that was my first sports interview ever and getting hired after that it just like gave me the confidence to like try and pursue it so do I know like 100% for sure no but I'm saying probably like close to 100% 95 90 and if otherwise like I just really want to try it out and see what happens yeah, and I remember you, uh, we actually had a, a brief, brief conversation as well. And um, you went, you said that you went to, you know, a lot of speakers and you, you listened to what they had to say. And among those was uh, David Meltzer. And you said that he gave you a lot of perspective on certain things. So what was it? Uh, and I think that he really meant a lot to you in terms of uh, what he had to say and whatever he shared with you during that talk. Um, you want to share some with us? Yeah, I, I just remember this, the, the one thing that he told me out of everything he said that day. And Nikki, David Meltzer is like this motivational speaker. He was the first speaker that my sports business club brought in last year. So I attended his meeting. Um, he, it, it, it was a crazy story. He went like bankrupt and he had to sell his house and, but then he made a comeback and whatever, but the, the one thing that he told me stood out what that stood out was like um, if the universe like says no to you like three times or just too many times, you just got to accept it and you just got to let go and really think about if you really want to stay with whatever you're pursuing. So it stood out to me because right after he said that the, one of the business fraternities that I was planning on joining at UC Irvine um, I didn't get rejected. It's just I never found out about any application deadline or anything like that. So I never got to turn it in. So I just didn't get what I wanted. So going to his meeting, which was like kind of like a sports business meeting, right? And him telling me that and me not getting the business fraternity, I kind of th thought to myself, like maybe this this is a sign that he was talking about where I should be heading towards the sports world and not the business world. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I was listening to this podcast speaker once he said not to extrapolate meaning from stuff after it happens, but you know, you just can't help yourself in the beginning when, when stuff like this happens. Right. Um, so he really, wait, um, you told me that it was, uh, when was this like just last year, wasn't it? Yeah, this was about September, October-ish, 2018. Yeah, I remember you're like texting me. You're like, yo, dude, like crazy, man, blah, 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 David Meltzer, all this stuff. It was actually kind of funny. I was like, yo, uh, like I couldn't believe that he would, you know, go around just speaking to schools. So um, I've been meaning to like want to hear him speak um, because he's quite influential in the social media space. So a little jealous, man. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the sports world, he's known as like a, a sports marketer and he has, he has his own sports marketing company in Orange County. Um, but I, I can, I can tell that guy like really grinds and works hard. So it makes sense that he's known in other like spaces as well. Yeah. It's quite calm and soothing. That's what I really like. Cause sometimes like, I don't know, like even some successful people kind of just rub me the wrong way. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to hear what this guy has to say. But David Meltzer has just this calm, stoic type of personality where I'm like, yo, this guy is really cool. 
you know, it's like really cool. And I just, I just want to hear what he has to say. He's one of those people. So I'm glad you're able to actually um, have your thought process or perspective change because of that. So kudos. Did I never tell you guys like the, the full story of, of, you know, entering the sports world and just thinking about it? Cause that was just the really short version of what happened. I guess not. Yeah. Okay. Um, so fall quarter, I went to David Meltzer. I, I met the Sports Business Association, but otherwise I, I just, I was doing bad in my classes. So I was really distracted and I did not want to go out too much. So winter quarter comes, I decided to commit to going to more clubs because it was getting boring staying at home. So Sports Business Association had more meetings. I went to the first one. It was another sports marketer um, in a different firm in Orange County. And what happened was uh, I introduced him. I got his business card. I asked him, like, hey, I'm a transfer student. Do I, are my chances of success, you know, lower than others? And he's like, no, don't worry. I, I was also a transfer student. And what he did behind the scenes was he introduced the, our club president to this guy. His name is Larry Kuhn. Larry Kuhn is one of, like, the top salary cap experts in the NBA community. And it turns out that he works at UCI in IT. He's an IT manager. So what the first guy, Sergio, did was uh, he made the connection with my club and Larry Kuhn. The club brought Larry Kuhn in, I think, two weeks later. And uh, I was at that meeting. And Larry Kuhn explained, you know, what his work with the salary cap entailed. And then he uh, told us about this sports business program that he teaches during the summers at NBA Summer League, where the students get exposed to like salary cap education, um, scouting education, like NBA scouting, analytics in sports, that kind of education. You also get to network with people at Summer League. I was really intrigued, but the cost was like freaking $3,500, I think full price. So I thought to myself, like, you know, maybe I shouldn't go, maybe I should save money and go this year, which obviously is a ter- would have been a terrible idea because the event is probably going to be postponed or canceled. I decided not to go, but I gave them my email. So they sent me like newsletters um, every week to try to get me to sign up. And it didn't work until the last day of their promotional discount deadline where um, this guy, Larry, he emailed me himself. He was like, hey, Adam, last day of the deadline. And uh, just wanted to check if you had any questions. So I asked him like, hey, I'm a college student. I don't have any real sports experience. Uh, I don't know if I can really contribute to your community that you're building. And he's like, you know, that's very thoughtful of you, but we take people from all different kinds of backgrounds. No, no need to worry on that. So I, I really thought like this whole thing was a scam, right? So, but like him reaching out to me personally like that, it made me, it reassured me that he was being genuine and he was really trying to help. So I uh, revised my cover letter, revised my resume the same day, turned it in. I got admitted to the program. And this was after like, you know, me calculating all the money that I had saved up and uh, all the future bills that I would have to pay off. And it, it worked out. So that's why I signed up. Um, this was about April. The program was held last year in July, 2019. And I uh, drove with a friend from my sports business club. We went together 
the whole week, it was just me and him. We just stayed up like so many hours during the day. We, we slept very little because we just wanted to like take everything in and meet other people and network. And, but at the end, me and my friend, we were actually chosen as part of the four people of, of the top students in the program. Being chosen as part of the top four, like we got invited to come and intern for summer league. Uh, supposed to be this year, but probably going to be postponed. I think I covered it. How I got the internship, I don't know because 11 people on the staff of the program, they all voted on who they thought like stood out to them the most. And me and my friend were just, you know, were in the narrowed down uh, top four list out of the 90-ish people. I think, yeah, that's the full story, basically. We get to January, February-ish. I saw a Clippers posting on LinkedIn. And I thought like it'd be a good, good, good idea to try and uh, apply for that. And went to the interview, uh, had, had recommendation letters from uh, my guy, Larry Kuhn. And uh, I got hired like the same day of the interview. That's pretty much my sports journey up to, up to now. So are you like working remotely right now or like, how is it working? The Clippers job was part-time. It was the title is just like game night staff. And my job was to help the group sales, um, group sales reps with their clients. So my job was to take their groups around Staples Center to do whatever package that they bought. So if they bought like 100 tickets, they qualify for a certain package where maybe they can take, uh, we can take their kids down to the court and stand in front of the players for, for the national anthem, or um, we can take a group of 25 people from their group and they can stand in the tunnel and do high fives for the players. So that was my job. And I only got to work one game for them, unfortunately, but you know, it's fine. I uh, getting hired by the Clippers, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool thing to have. And I'm not working part-time. They uh, only paid me up to the scheduled uh, last game of the season. And I, I haven't really gotten any other notice from them. The internship for Summer League, that's probably just going to be postponed until whenever Summer League comes back. So it could be just next year if everything goes back to normal by then. Right now, it's just the podcast, recording episodes for that, networking with people that I try to, you know, meet over LinkedIn. I don't tell, I don't tell many people like the full story, so... You guys are close homies. Hey, that's what's up, dude. <laughs> um, future goals of mine, I, I really want to make it to the, the league office in New York, either just like the NBA office or the Players Association. So they represent all the players in the NBA. I, I've recently been thinking I, I'd be a better fit for the Players Association just because I, I like dealing with people. I don't really like dealing with numbers, you know. How do we... How do we get to this, this question? Oh, I think it's because I asked you, I was like, yo, uh, did you know what you wanted to do after high school? Something like that. Something along the lines of that. And then, and then um, it reminded me of the conversation that we had through text and you going to those meetings and then uh, meeting people and whatnot. Yeah. Pretty cool. I actually didn't, I mean, I didn't, I, I listened to the short version briefly and then now you're telling me the full story. So appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, just like you guys, I think I, it took me more time to find something that I was willing to dedicate 
my time and energy to. And uh, sports just happened to be that for me. But, you know, back to you guys. Senior year, uh, I, I told, already told you I wasn't really analyzing the situation. I, I wasn't doing the cost-benefit uh, analysis like you, Norman, of uh, community college. I, I, already, I already decided like on that early on in the year. But how did you guys uh, decide on starting your own businesses? And um, were you guys afraid of anything going forward with that? I mean, for me, starting my own business, I, I started my own business because I kind of needed to make money. And at the time, Norman was already doing it. Vince was already doing it. And they were making a decent amount. So I'm like, okay, why not try? Because I had saved up money from like, you know, New Year's red envelopes and stuff. Like I had money. I'm like, all right, I, co- I had a couple hundred. Why not just, you know, give it a shot? If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then well, I'm going to college to study an engineering, right? So I basically just went to Norm, like, yo, help me out, how we get started. He's, he was really nice and he helped me. And um, at first it, it didn't go that well. Um, I actually ended up using most of the money that I saved up. So I took a little break and then went to college, right? So then I ended up getting financial aid money. So I'm like, all right, might as well just like start it up again. You know, why not just give it a second shot? And that's when it started to pick up and I got momentum and everything started working out. Um, yeah, that's basically how I started. Yeah, I think for me, um, I don't think I had this thought thought out at all until after high school because it was, so it's a really weird story where I was, I think, senior when I worked at a cardiologist's office. So basically, um, there was a couple doctors there who specialized in cardiology. They're like, in the Asian community, they were very well known. They're on like the radio stations and whatnot. So uh, luckily for me, I was able to use my network and was recommended this job. And so I was basically helping out uh, like being an office assistant. So I basically didn't do anything what a doctor would do, of course, but I was able to kind of see what was going on in that field because I was originally planning to be a surgeon and I wanted to get into the medical field. Um, But that job really, really taught me a lot, not in the sense of like, Oh my gosh, like these guys do this, like, you know, so cool or whatever, but rather it allowed me to see what a life of a doctor slash nurse would be like. And that wasn't something that I wanted for myself because The thing with that not a lot of people know um, and wanted to get into the medical field, they don't know that doctors, a lot of doctors actually go through depression because they see a lot of people coming in to their office and whatever, and there's a high likelihood that there won't be a next time. Like they won't see them uh, next time. And that's just because like specifically in that clinic, like, you know, people weren't that healthy. That's why they came over. Um, So doctors would basically see patients come and patients go. And it's really hard to deal with something where you want to become something where you would be able to save someone's life, but inevitably not be able to do so and just watch them, you know, dwindle away. And that's kind of what I saw in that, work environment and I was like yo I 
that's not something for me because it wasn't necessarily like, oh, you know, like too many studies or whatever, but it was rather like if someone's life was in my hands and I screwed up and of course doctors would be like, you know, it's not your fault, you know, blah, 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 and all that stuff. But it doesn't negate the fact that you would feel some sort of guilt um, or some sort of responsibility where you're like, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. It's like, if you mess up, you, someone's life is on the hand. So uh, that wasn't for me. And so I decided, you know what, like maybe I should go into law. And that was just a very brief moment where I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna go to uh, community college and study philosophy. And so that's what I did. I, I went to um, take some philosophy classes and whatnot, but at the end of the day, I think my uh, dad was the one who kind of persuaded me not to pursue law. And that's mainly because uh, my dad is a very moral person in the sense that if there was money on the floor, he's not going to take it. So he was telling me like, you know, lawyers, they, they sometimes like you accept cases where you have to lie and like, you know, just to protect your client, which I mean, it's, it's understandable. Right. And so um, I had this sort of dilemma where I'm like, okay, well, if not this, then what? And so of course we had a mutual friend of ours who had already started his business after I, I'm, probably even before high school ended. And so I decided to just look into it. I'm like, you know what, like, this is really interesting. Let me take a look. And so I would talk to people. I'm like, yo, this guy has this website where he's selling things and he doesn't even own these products. Like how the heck is he doing it? So I talked to a couple of people within my network, like my scout master, cause uh, I was a boy scout. And he actually was like, oh yeah, like this is some sort of like import export business, blah, blah, blah. And that got me a little bit more interested because I was like, wait a minute, this is quite interesting how you're, this is like some sort of business model in the modern age where you can sell things without having those things. And so that's kind of how I started in terms of the research aspect, in terms of how I actually started. I think that, uh, I think that I was just, I stayed up like, many, many hours after when I was asleep to just watch videos and how other people were doing it. And that's kind of how I started. I just learned and then just threw it out there. And surprisingly it worked for me, but that's kind of how I started, so. Can you guys explain exactly what you guys were doing when you started, like how the process works? So, um, Nikki, I guess you can explain like the business model aspect of it. And then I can kind of give a little bit of perspective of how I started and then how you started. Okay. Yeah. So basically how it works is that you build, you research products first and then you build a store around that product or whatever you're trying to sell. Right. So now that you have a store and you have products to sell, well, how, you, how do you get traffic to your store? Where do you get your customers? All right. So that's where Facebook ads kick in uh, Facebook, Instagram ads, you run ads, traffic to your store, cold traffic. Um, and then, you know, customers buy and then you just send whatever information you have to your supplier and the supplier ships it out. So basically what happens is that you don't have these products at, on your hand. It's your suppliers that are in China. Um, you just tell them, okay, yo, uh, let's say like uh, Norman Chu bought this product and you're like, okay, this is that, just send it here. 
and then basically that's how it works you know like they pay for it on your store and then your supplier sends it to them who makes the website you make it yourself you design it so this is a platform called shopify it's they make it really easy for you to design your website design your store um it's basically done for you so all you have to do is put in your products you know whatever product descriptions you have um yeah, like custom design your store a little bit, whatever you want to do with it. So you never had to learn how to code in like HTML or CSS or anything? No, like I never had to do that because Shopify makes it easy for you. The only okay. thing I had to learn was product research and running Facebook ads. Pretty much it. Yeah, so I think our strong suit is not like design, definitely not design, but rather uh, social media advertising um, in the sense that we can run ads and I think that some people can relate to this where, and, and it's also like a meme where people would like talk about like cat food or something. And all of a sudden on Facebook, you're going to see a bunch of ads towards cats or, or like cat food specifically. And if people have actually had those instances, then they, they kind of have an idea as to what we're doing in the sense of, well, we have these ads that we want to push out to people who are interested or who are most likely to buy these products. So for example, Haiden, you are into sports and let's say you wanted to get into soccer um, and you were like, oh yeah, like I'm trying to look for these awesome like soccer knee guards or whatever it is and I just can't find the right place or whatever. And, and let's just say that Nikki was already selling like athletic gear and just so happens that he was selling, you know, a knee guard or a shin guard and he puts it on his website and then he run, runs ads to it. There's a high likelihood that you will be able, uh, you will be targeted with that ad because you displayed some sort of interest in that specific uh, field. So soccer uh, or, you know, shin guards or whatever it is. So that's kind of how it works in the sense of social media advertising. Um, in terms of how we got started, I think that like, uh, so as I was saying before, um, I started to just research and research and research. And so I put up my own website, I believe fall of 2018, no, 16, 2016. Yeah. Fall of 2016 around November probably. And, uh, it was an outdoor store where I was selling, um, like camping gear, hiking, cycling, and things like that because I was a Boy Scout, so I was, I was a little bit more familiar with the outdoor field. So I was like, you know, people like tactical type of things. And so I, I was like, okay, maybe there's uh, something I can find and I'll be happy to share this with you guys. But um, the product that I found that really, really worked and helped me kick off my uh, sort of decision where I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do was when I was selling these shovels. Now it's like, dude, what the heck shovels? Like, you know, who sells shovels online? Now these are actually like the, the shovels that I sold were like tactical military shovels. Technically I wasn't supposed to sell them because that's against the terms of service of Facebook, but obviously I didn't know at the time. And so these shovels basically, had or these tactical shovels 
had multifunctional uh, things attached to it. So you can kind of untwist the handles and out pops like a knife or like out pops like a saw. And then there's like a compass attached to the shovel. And then on the side of the shovel, there's like a, like a, like a knife. It, it, it was really intricate and like it was used for f- like 15 different uh, things. There was like a flint and steel attached to the to, to the back of the shovel. It was a, it was a lot of stuff that was uh, there, and so I guess a lot of people who were camping, who love camping, backpacking, uh, tactical zombie apocalypse um, enthusiasts, they saw my ad and they were like, "Yo, this is something I want to buy," and so they went onto my site and they bought them, and that's when that was my first success story, which was quite early on, which I would have to say like luck played a huge part into it because. I was, I just happened to be at the right place, right time. And then, uh, Nikki saw what was going on. He was like, yo, dude, what the heck is this? And, and so I kind of explained it, uh, explained to him and, you know, try to help him out a little bit. And that's kind of how we started. So, um, pat on back for me for being lucky, man. <laughs> Cause not gonna lie. like people say like, yo, dude, like you have to like have hard work and et cetera, et cetera. Yes. That's definitely all true. But if you don't know what you're doing, you kind of have to cross your fingers for a little bit of luck just to, you know, uh, be able to have that sort of first taste of success. But, um, I was, I was very, very lucky and I'm grateful for that. Uh, they say like when you start your own business, you got to invest like some of your own money into it and you never know when your own money is going to generate profit for you or are you just going to keep losing money? So how long did it take you guys for you to finally think, um, Hey, this is a pretty good thing that I'm working on right now. And, uh, I feel confident for the future. How long did that take? Uh, for me personally, I know Norman, like it was pretty quick for him cause he found a really nice winning product, like just right off the bat. Right. For me, it took me about like, I want to say a month and a half before I got anything going. Cause like, it's like in the beginning I would get sales like one or two, but like they weren't profitable sales. So I didn't become like, profitable until like a month and a half in when I'm like when I started getting consistent sales and then probably like two months in I was like okay I'm pretty close to break even now you know so this is starting to get like serious and like profitable so that's when I figured out like okay well this is good this is where I want to be and want to be in the future it's like two months into it and I'm like honestly even two months is pretty quick and I got I want to say I did get lucky too it's like not as lucky as Norman, but pretty lucky still. Yeah, I think for me, I I didn't really lock in the idea of okay, this is uh like this is exactly what I'm going to do um, for a while until I went to a couple of events where people who were doing the same thing as us, um, you know, social media advertising, e-commerce, etc they all like had this sort of mastermind group where we met up somewhere and in my case it was in New York so there was an event in New York and I traveled with uh one of my buddies and we went to New York and all these guys who were there were crushing it absolutely crushing it like some people were doing um like a couple hundred dollars a day they were able to generate uh, those kind of numbers and I think we went there because there is an instance where, I mean, here's the thing, like when we research about these uh, topics, we usually watch one person. So for example, if 
I was in, uh, you know, for you, like hiding, like, let's just say like David Meltzer was posting a lot of YouTube, uh, videos teaching you how to do X. That was basically, uh, what it was in our case. And he hosted an event in New York. So I'm like, yo, this guy who has been posting on YouTube for a while and I learned from him and it helped me and he's having an event, a live in-person event. I have to go. So I went there with a buddy of mine and it was crazy because number one, I don't think I've traveled alone. Um, that wasn't like for a specific function uh, uh, in a group. So like back in high school, I would go to key club events and you know, we go with a bunch of key clubbers, but in this case it was me and my friend. And so like, you know, we're just two, two little Asian dudes, like walking around the streets of Harlem. Like what, what, what the heck are, you know, we don't know anything or at least I didn't. And so it was really great time. Number one, number two, we learned a lot from these guys. Uh, and one of the hosts, he was generating like a million dollars in a month. And we were like, dude, what the heck is going on? We have to learn from these guys. And so that's when it really opened my um, perspective on how big this can go in the sense of e-commerce. Because I was thinking of this as a, on a micro scale where I'm like, okay, just run ads, get sales, uh, you know, spend the money on X or you know, save the money or whatever it was. But I was not thinking big as in like, Amazon, Walmart, you know, in, uh, I guess in also the cosmetic space, Mac, uh, Mac cosmetics, uh, Anastasia and, and things like that. And so I wasn't thinking that big, but that sort of event really opened up my eyes and was like, yo, this is something that you can actually build on and not just have it as a short term thing. And I think that was, uh, I don't remember when that, I think it was in January of 2017. So yeah, it's been a while, but you know, kind of reminds me of those travel days because you know, we're all quarantined and, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that was kind of the time. I have two questions. First one is what, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is uh, your industry, it's kind of like, there's a bunch of people that are making products like shovels, for example, um, but they just don't know how, or they just don't want to. Uh, work on the advertising and the marketing and the website designing. So is that like where you guys come in, where you guys help help them with that part and they just focus on making the product and then um, distributing or uh, delivering the products and you guys take care of like payments. Am I like wrong in any part of that? Uh, I think that's about right. Um, we, I think, um, I think you simplified it a little bit. We basically build, our own brand in the process of doing it. So while it's true that we're just like kind of like building a site for suppliers, yeah, that's true, but we're also building a brand on top of that. Um, not just for the supply, but for ourselves as well, because we make profits in between. Yeah, I mean, like it's actually a lot easier now than it was before because the platform of Shopify allows you to integrate certain things that you don't have to necessarily um, think about or have to do. So for example, like you said, payment processing, Shopify takes care of that. As long as you have like a gateway open to um, whatever account that you have, 
they'll be able to process those payments. And so obviously they take a cut out of that, which is why, you know, they have it offered in the first place. But uh, on the other hand, in terms of like supply chain, uh, what we do is we link up with uh, certain suppliers slash manufacturers, whether it be in China, Hong Kong, or India, or wherever it is, sometimes even in the United States. Well, we link up with them and we say, hey, look, I'm good at advertising. I can generate sales. The only thing you need to worry about is shipping out my products on time. I'll send you all the details. You just ship out the products on time. And that's kind of how it is, um, or how it was, uh, where when, when I first started, that's, that's what we had to do. We had to, you know, connect with these suppliers in China where it's a huge, huge, huge like industry where all of these manufacturing companies are competing with each other and they understand this business model in America where they're like, oh, we know these guys do this stuff. So we want to make sure we get the best prices for them and also, I guess, the fastest shipping time because they're also competing amongst each other to get our businesses because at the end of the day, even though we have our own businesses, they also have their own businesses as well. And if we're generating sales, they generate sales because we basically forward everything over to them and they do everything for us. And so the only thing that we uh, technically have to worry about is number one, I guess, store design, which I'm definitely not good at, but because Shopify makes it a lot easier, even like, you know, really bad work at least shows up decent. You know, it doesn't look like actual crappy, but, um, and number two, advertising, that's basically our bread and butter. Whether we run ads on different platforms like Facebook, Instagram versus like Snapchat or, uh, TikTok or YouTube or Google. And like, that's where our expertise comes into play because we're just really good at knowing number one, what type of ads that we need to run in the sense of creatives, like, you know, whether it be video ads, uh, what type of video ads, photo ads to the copy of the text of that specific creative or ad. And, you know, we're just, we're, we just know exactly, uh, well, I wouldn't say exactly, but we know we're really good at pushing these ads out to the right people. And so that's kind of where our expertise comes into play. And we have nothing to do with like the, you know, creating these products on the back end or anything like that. We're not good at that. So we have someone else do it. Do you guys um, create your own ads as well? Because I, I know I've certainly been uh, hired by Norman here to take some marketing pictures for his products. So is that where my pictures went like to the ads or? Yeah, actually. Um, so there's, there used to, uh, the old model was that we would basically take, I guess, stock photos from like the suppliers where, you know, suppliers would some, I mean, obviously they have their own websites and they post it onto their, um, their website as well, trying to advertise these products or whatever, and they have their own photos. So what, what we used to do was we used to just take those photos or videos that they create, obviously not really great definitely not great. And so we would use those and we put it onto our websites and we would actually advertise those. Obviously, I don't know how we were able to, you know, generate any sales, but it looks way too gimmicky. And so 
that's why we had to, you know, be able to import our own products and have our own photo shoots, ha uh, have people test out the products and, you know, ask them if they're good or not and, to, you know, take some testimonial photos. And so that's kind of uh, where, where it transitioned towards. And yes, to answer your question on, you know, your photo stuff, they definitely, I definitely use those uh, to put onto my website or to put them on ads. And so in terms of creating the ads, yes, we do. Um, but back then, we basically just took whatever was out there already. So that's why it seemed like the work wasn't as much. But now, obviously, kind of have to take our own photos. We have to take our own videos and things like that. So it's a lot more work, but definitely learn throughout the process. Every time I, I like catch up with you guys, I always you know, ask like how the businesses are doing. And so I, I, I like hear these terms that you guys tell me, but I, I don't really know what they mean. But can you guys just talk more about the scalability of what you guys do? Dropshipping, right? If I'm right. Um, yeah. The scalability of that. And, you know, how you guys always tell me you're, you're focusing on, on branding now. And can you guys just like explain that relationship? Yeah, so dropshipping is basically you just, you know, put whatever products that interest you, whatever you think would sell into store. It's like not very branded. So what we mean by branding is that it's like, you know, think like Nike, Adidas, you know, those brands. Like we want to create something like that. Now, obviously, like going to Nike level, Adidas level, it's really hard. It's going to take a long time. But for us right now, it's, it's not that dropshipping – doesn't work it's just drop shipping is going to be a lot harder if you're not differentiated you know how brands are like differentiated from each other there's something special about your brand it's like what makes people want to buy your brand so that's why we're you know branching out into branding it's just the way to go now um in my opinion it's it's going to be the way to go in the future drop shipping eventually like it's still going to be a thing it's always going to be a thing but it's not as profitable as before because everybody's doing it. Like so many people are doing it. There's so much competition out there. But if you, if you're able to differentiate yourself from your competition and create a brand, you're definitely going to do better than your competition. Yeah. I think the dropshipping model, uh, I mean, I used to do the dropshipping model of course, and that's how it got started. But in terms of the dropshipping model, the reason why it's not the best is because of the fact that we reach out to uh, suppliers slash manufacturers in China and have them ship it over to our customers. Well, here's the thing, the top, uh, I think Nikki can also relate to this, but most of our customers are from the United States. And so if you are having products shipped from China or Hong Kong to the United States, it's not Amazon. It doesn't take two days to ship it over. Like it takes weeks. And sometimes it might even get lost in transit. And so customers would be, you know, frustrated. Like, you know, number one, why am I waiting for so long? Like, why am I waiting for like three weeks for my products to show up? And when it shows up, it's this trash, like, like it's almost like in a trash bag wrapped up. And then it just has like a shipping label slapped onto it with some Chinese letters on it. Like, what is this? So that model is definitely not it is not appealing because number one doesn't treat your customers right and number two it's just not efficient so 
that's a, a almost like a lose-lose situation. So what people are trying to do right now is they're trying to uh, basically put a name, put a story, putting a face onto those products as in terms of like branding. So if you think about like Nike, you know, why is it that people, why can't people just buy like similar shoes that cost less money and, you know, it functions the same way? Well, that's because that's Nike. It's, you know, people know it as Nike or Adidas. And so they're like, obviously there's a huge cult following within those, you know, of course, like hypebeast, you know, people who wear like shoes and things like that. There's like a following attached and a story attached onto these type of brands. And that's what we want to go towards because we don't want people to just buy our products and leave. We want to make our company known to people so that they keep coming back. So that like, like, for example, if you're, you know, people don't say bandaid uh, or what is it? The sticky bandages, right? People say band-aids. Band-aids are actually uh, a brand name. And no one, no, I don't, I don't hear anyone say like, uh, like a different brand name of band-aids, right? Like, so when people say like, oh, they want me bandages to cover up like a wound or something, they say band-aids. And so that's kind of what, uh, I think the pinnacle of branding would be is that you want it to be so well known to the fact, uh, to a point where people would just say your brand name and just go from there. So, uh, yeah, um, in that front. But in terms of scalability of dropshipping, that's hard. So when we talk about scalability, we are referring to um, how fast we can build something. So picture a sandcastle where, you know, you're just scrambling to try to gather everything up and then building this sort of castle. Well, it's something similar in the sense where uh, in our case, we put money, we dump money into advertising um, uh, platforms like Facebook, Instagram, right? For example. So we, let's just say spend like a, a $10 on a, an ad and have it run. We generate sales. Well, let's just say that I spend $10 and I make $30 out of that. That means I get a three times or return on ad spend in terms of scalability in general terms. Like we, when, when you add more money into this ad, so instead of $10, let's just say it's a hundred dollars generally the amount of money that you'll uh, make kind of dwindles down a little bit. So if I were to spend $10 and get th three, uh, $30, I can't expect to spend $100 and get $300. Uh, in some cases, like, or in most cases, actually, it actually goes down a little bit. You know, it could be like $250 or $200 or whatever it is. But uh, so we're trying to find that balance point where we can uh, increase our spend but at the same time, like not have our revenue cut down that much. We're trying to keep our spend high while maintaining that sort of uh, return on ad spend or ROI or whatever uh, metrics we're looking at. And I'm confused on branding on this part, which is what are you actually branding? Like, are you branding your names like Norman, Nikki, and your company name? Or are you branding the, the product that you're selling? Um, yeah, I'm an unclear about that part. Um, you basically brand um, your store because that's just what your store is like named like Adidas or Nike. Like it's that simple. Like you create a store, you have a good product and like let's say you name it, I don't know, like 
Norman's shoes or whatever. I don't know, like, and then you build a brand around that, like the name. You want the name to pop. And then um, the brand, like, what's the difference between branding and just drop shipping? Because I kind of thought, I like, what's the difference between what you guys are doing right now versus what you guys were doing before when you started with drop shipping? Uh, you could still brand a dropshipping store, but like Norman mentioned, it's very inefficient and it's like a lose-lose situation. So basically, um, when I talk about branding, it's you more you more switched into like more local suppliers and more um, custom packaging, custom like everything basically. So you don't have to have like you know a random package from China, right? Like your customers are just like, dude, what the hell is this? You know? So when you have a brand, you think like, for example, like Nike, you get your your shoe in like a nice Nike box, Nike packaging, and everything is like nice. There's no like, what the hell is this kind of thought when you receive a product from brand? And obviously, Norman mentioned like the story behind the brand and just differentiating your brand from others is, you know, basically what branding is. Anything to add on it, or is it, does that cover it? Well, I mean, yeah, kind of, uh, pretty much. But, like, it's just that, like I said before, when you think of a certain product, you'll think of this. Or, uh, I mean, I can give you a couple examples. So, I don't remember what it's, it's called, but it might be, like, send a potato or something like that, or, like, or rock, send a rock message. So, people were able to send a rock to their friends with a message or was it a potato i don't remember but like basically they take like like rock and they'll say like oh i love you or something and so they'll have like i love you thing and so people will will, will uh know like yo this is the company that you know it's like a meme where they just send like potatoes to someone else of your choice with a message of your choice and they know it of that but so so there's that and there's that sort of messaging, right? Versus, let's just say you sell a, uh, like a rock or a potato. It's like, okay, anyone can sell a potato. It's like, there's no story behind it. And so the story is like, hey, you know, like send a message to your friend for five bucks or whatever it was. And then a, another example would, uh, and I don't know if I'm able to say this, but I think, I don't, what was it? It's like, it's like a box with a chocolate and Basically, you know, you kind of just do this to like troll your friends or, you know, if you actually think if you're in like a fight with your friend or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it is, like it's literally a box and inside like it's, it's a chocolate sh- and what, if they want to eat it, yo, uh, that's cool too. Like, I, I don't know if it's good or not, but imagine that being funny, being really troll, sending a message to someone versus just selling you know, if I'm just going to sell this thing without any message behind it, without like any sort of like um, story behind it or whatever it is, like no one's going to buy it. Oh, well, I can't, okay, maybe a couple people, but like there's no story behind it. No one's going to come back and like do it again. Whereas for me, if I'm like, dude, I know this company, like, you know, I'm just telling my friends like, hey, dude, like, you know, uh, your girlfriend like got mad at you or whatever, or whatever it is. It's like, dude, I recommend you to go to this company, dude, and just send to them. It'll be really funny. You know, you guys will, uh, you guys won't be mad at each other anymore because, you know, and so that's kind of where uh, we want to take ours. We want to add a story or add some sort of face 
to our company. So it's not like, for, for in my instance, it's not Norman's company. It's uh, for me, uh, since I'm working on cosmetics uh, right now, we basically put a, uh, like a story or a face value onto that company. Um, and then, yeah, go from there. So. Okay. So I think, yeah, that, that covers, that covers like my, my confusion with like branding and like what you guys are trying to do right now, which it makes sense is like anyone that's successful, whether they're a YouTuber or not, like the more that people know their name, the more successful they are and like the more that they can grow over time. Right. Same idea, same principle. Um, okay. I think last question about just like this technical stuff, which is, is it, 50 50 with you and the person that's making the product like how how does like how does the money split up and you know is it yeah how, how does it split up if you guys are willing to share of course so for drop shipping it's um whatever you decide to sell it the product as so like let's say for example i'm selling a shoe for 60 dollars right and the supplier is selling it uh, to me for like $10 say so it's $50 in between technically I make but I also spend money running Facebook ads so let's say I spent like $20 to get this customer to buy my shoe right so that's $60 minus the $20 of Facebook ad spent and another $10 that I paid a supplier to ship it and send my product so that's $30 in profit for me and then that's $30 to whatever I put into like my business or save it whatever that's how it works and for branding it's it gets a little more difficult because there's a lot that goes into branding. Um, like number one, your Facebook ads, number two supplier, that's something we already discussed, but you also have to think about like custom packaging and stuff like that, that deals with branding. And yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, to answer your question directly, no, it doesn't like, you don't really share uh, with your supplier in the sense of like, it's not like a 50, 50 split because they have nothing to do with your business. They're just, they make these products already. So for example, like you would find like a, like a paper packaging manufacturer and all they do is like takeout boxes or custom packaging on, uh, for other people or whatever it is. And so they're specialized in that field. And if I'm looking for people in that field, then I would go to them. But like, you know, we don't like share profits or whatever. So in my, uh, in the branding perspective, like it's a little bit riskier in the sense that you actually have to order your products ahead of time. So what I mean by that is you like in the dropshipping model, you don't hold inventory because your suppliers do everything. Well, that takes a lot of time to get shipped out or to deliver because it's shipped from China. In, in, in my case, I order it from China to the United States so that I can have uh, my warehouse or myself ship it out myself in the United States. So that the shipping time is actually drastically decreased from like two to three weeks to two to three days because it, US to US uh, takes a couple of days. It doesn't take very long to um, deliver. So we have to buy in bulk and like sometimes it can range from like a thousand units to 10,000 units or whatever it is so that you have it on hand. So when people buy your product, you can immediately just ship it out so that uh, you don't have to look back and ask your supplier like, Hey, 
uh, it's been a week, where is the product, you know, things like that. You don't have to do that. So it's a lot quicker. Um, and then uh, I think there was another aspect I wanted to touch on. The splits of how much you're splitting between the person that's giving you the, 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 the product, um, you know, versus how much money you're investing your ads and versus how much, yeah, just like the, how, do, how is the money split? Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I kind of answered it a little bit in terms of like the supplier wise. Um, but in, like in my case, we have to factor in number one, of course, is the product cost. How much is it to um, get 10,000 units on, into the United States? And although like sometimes we have to factor in like, oh, it costs about two to three dollars per unit in China. Well, that doesn't factor in shipping costs because if you're shipping like tens of thousands of units, the shipping cost is going to be insane. So you have to factor in for like shipping costs of that. And then number two, when it even gets to the United States, you have to think, okay, are you going to have this custom package? Are you going to just have it in like, a, like, let's just say like a random brown box or is it going to be like a, a, a brown box, but it has your um, logo on it? Or are you going to use tape with your logos on it or, or whatever it is, right? What kind of packaging are you going to have on that? And then on top of that, shipping to the customer is also an added cost. So there's like a, a lot of different costs when it comes to, uh, I guess, having a branded company where yes, like you make less in profit, but what you're counting on is the fact that when the customers come to your website and they buy something from you, they have a good experience. They're like, Oh my gosh, this company is so good. Like I had a, I had a problem with this product, but they shipped out another one really fast in two days. I got it. You know, uh, I asked customer support. They're really, uh, really great, et cetera, et cetera. And, so when they want to buy something similar to that product, they'll think of your company again and they'll buy again. And so um, in terms of how to mitigate the costs in the future, sometimes we spend like, let's just say we spend like 10 to like $50 to acquire a new customer. Now, after we were, uh, and I think um, it's statistically, uh, like, I don't know what statistics uh, have shown this, but like people have said like it, costs less to um, sell to someone who's already bought from you before than to sell to someone who doesn't know anything about you. Um, so I might spend like $20 to acquire a new customer. And within that, that customer who's just bought my stuff, I could probably set like spend like another $5 for them to buy again. And so totally uh, or total, I would spend like $25 to get two sales from that one specific customer rather than two different customers for $20. That makes sense. So uh, that's kind of what we're investing in. We're investing a lot of money up front for the products, for the packaging, for the shipping, just to be able to uh, have these people come back to us again and buy again. And since you guys started, how do you guys feel about you know Amazon being a competitor in the space where, you know, when some people don't really care about, you know, your brands, they just want their stuff in two days. That's it. They don't, has it, has it been more difficult for you guys with uh, uh, dealing with like people who prefer Amazon? Amazon's always going to be there. 
they're, I wouldn't say they're an issue, but I would say they're a competitor and there's no reason, I don't see why we can't compete against them because having a brand, it just, it makes you stand out more. So like two day shipping, that's important, but that's also doable for um, our brand stuff like, cause we can, we can go to a fulfillment center and they can fulfill products within like three to five days within the United States. Cause I, I personally use a fulfillment center and they're pretty fast with everything. Like they ship on the same day and everything gets delivered within like, I want to say like five days max. So two day shipping isn't really a problem. And if your customers like your product, like your store, like what you have to sell, you know, they're interested in your brand. They're willing to wait an extra few days. It's not that big of a deal. Amazon's cool with their two day shipping, but at the end of the day, I think your brand and what you have to sell and offer make a difference. Yeah. And you know, when we talk about like Amazon, obviously a lot of people know about Amazon, but like people, if you think about it, like people don't buy Adidas. Okay. Well, generally people don't buy Adidas stuff or like Nike stuff from Amazon. Some people do, but majority of them don't. And so that's kind of where we come in, in this, in the sense of like, we compete with Amazon, not on pricing point, not on like, uh, you know, not on that aspect, but we compete with them on the story behind it. So, um, like I'm trying to think of a company where, where it kind of like does that, but I mean, to, to go off on it, it's, it's number one, like people buy it for the story slash, or like Tiffany and Co. For example, people don't go on Amazon to like buy Tiffany and Co, but people generally buy uh, Tiffany and Co because, or from, from the actual company itself because of their value as a brand, their story behind it. I think it's been like, what is it? Like just recently a hundred years old. I don't remember what it was, but like people buy it for that reason. That's number one. Number two, it, when you said, I think you said something about like, uh, Amazon and like the two day shipping part of it. It's I think I agree with Nikki on this part where it's like, you know, if you're, if you give customers a great enough experience to wait like one or two extra days, they're more than willing to do it as long as, you know, you're transparent with them, as long as, you know, it's like not like three weeks or something like that. And you don't say anything to the customers. So I think on that front, like it does, uh, kind of, you know, mitigate or like uh negate the other aspects of it but um yeah i mean we it's not like you can do anything you know it's not like i'm gonna overrun amazon or anything like that uh and because they just sell anything and everything fast customers always right and the point uh, the price point is is already there and so let's just say we even d decide to compete with amazon like we don't have to entirely beat off amazon we only want like a small slice of the pie. So let's just say you even get like 1% of the market share in Amazon. That's over a billion dollar company already. You know, you don't have to like gain 51% or, or like beat off Amazon. So like specifically, let's just say in like the t-shirt or the clothing industry, even 1% of the market share is billions of dollars already. So, you know, as long as we get like a small little like uh, sliver of the pie, you can uh, do a lot with that. So, yeah. I was also going to ask if 
I feel like right now, young people, we don't really use Facebook that much anymore, unless it's for some school events or group meetings or whatever. I was going to ask about that, but then I was going to also ask, maybe, does that not affect you guys that much anyways? Because there's just so many people on Facebook still that you guys still have like this huge pool of people uh, scrolling through Facebook and then seeing your ads. Yeah, I think. Well, I think you're right on that. There's just so many people on Facebook, it doesn't make a huge difference. And also, if you think about it, the younger generation, you know, generally, they don't have that much money to spend buying products. So I think generally, they're, most of the time, they're not the population we target, at least for me. Um, yeah, it's just Facebook has so many people. And it's like, there's like unlimited amount of people we can target. It's fine if we don't get the younger generation. Yeah, but even if it's want to target different generations there's different platforms for that uh for example uh facebook bought off instagram and so the platform of running those two ads together uh or those two channels together is on one platform so if we run facebook ads we have the option of running it to instagram as well generally younger the younger generation is on instagram or you know sometimes on snapchat tiktok or whatever it is um and so we can customize who we want to target and around how many, roughly around how many people we want to target when we go into the uh, demographics of the Facebook, uh, of like Facebook ads. So, I mean, to go around it, I guess like we can just customize our, I don't want to like, I only want to target 18 uh, year olds or 18 to 25 year olds if we really wanted to. And so uh, I guess that's the way around it because Facebook ad platform is very, very intricate in the sense where you can literally target someone from like Pakistan who likes dogs and doesn't like cats and is a male who only uses Android. Like it can be that specific. And so if we really, really wanted to target a specific demographic, we're able to do that uh, within their platform. Is Facebook kind of like the king for, for you guys in terms of giving you guys the, the platform for these ads and uh, the ability to specify down to the kind of customer you want? And, you know, are they just far ahead of other places? Or Yeah, I think Facebook is the king right now. Um, they're pretty much the platform I would go to if I wanted to to go to social media advertising and that's because their algorithm is so smart like the pixel and everything it just knows everything and it targets very well and that's how you get sales like you tell facebook okay uh target people who are interested in like apple or something right and that's a pool of like i don't know like 50 million people but Facebook's able to pick out the people who would buy your product and that's how smart they are and that's why facebook and instagram ads are so effective and that's why so many people use them Right, and then um, you could talk about Google ads. Those are good as well. But um, if you're running cold traffic, it's definitely Facebook. That's the thing. It's the way to go right now. Yeah, I think that uh, in my case, I think Facebook is definitely great. Although it's so in like that's that's all I know. Like Facebook slash Instagram ads, and that's the problem actually. Because what if something goes wrong? What if like you know. And in my case, it's happened. So where Facebook would shut you down, um, where do you go? And so we have to research other pl platforms to be able to uh, be good at 
Um, so to answer your question shortly, yes, Facebook is definitely the king, but that does not mean that other platforms are like not good. Like, like Google, for example, is great because it's warmer traffic where you can literally target someone who searches up a certain keyword. So if I was on the shopping market for like camping gear and I was going camping, I'd type out best camping tents right now or something like that. And I definitely want a spot on that uh, to, to show people that, hey, this tent is awesome or whatever it is. And so like there's these different platforms like Google, as I've said before, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, that I also need to try to uh, research thoroughly. Uh, I definitely have spent an insane amount on Facebook versus those other platforms, but uh, that's also a neg. Uh, that's also a con in, in our case. So yes, Facebook is king, but you know we kind of have to look outwards as well. Going back to first year of college, first year out of high school, um, Norman, you and I were at. PCC, you, uh, Nikki, you were at UC Irvine. For you, Norman, um, was your business and just doing well, and were you just you know pretty committed to it? That is that why you decided to just not transfer and just you know get out of college and just focus on the business? Yeah. So I realized that even during classes, I would bring my laptop and actually. Not, uh, I basically didn't really listen to the professor at all. Okay, well, I wouldn't say at all, but like, you know, I would pretend to. And so I would have my laptop out, all tabbing between like whatever work it is, if the professor would pass by or something, and then back to uh, product research, designing the website, running ads or whatever it was. And so because of that, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not even focused on schoolwork. I'm not even focused on like the ac academic aspects of whatever class it was or whatever. That like, there's no point in me putting 50% into school and 50% into my business. If like, like there's no point, point in that because I'm just gonna uh, put half effort here, half effort there. And that's not, a good way to look at things. So I was like, okay, well, that's number one. Number two, I decided not to transfer because I was at a point where I'm like, okay, this is starting to work. And unless I put a hundred percent effort into this, it's not going to take off. And so that's when I decided, Hey, you know what time to drop, um, this, you know, uh, transfer thingy and put it aside and start focusing on what I enjoy doing. Because even though I was in class, it's not like I really enjoyed being in class. And, uh, and I think you can attest to this where community college is very similar to a high school setting where, you know, professor takes attendance and you have to do your assignments and things like that in order to get a good grade. And so I didn't like that. And obviously I have, I, I, I put a half effort into it. And so, you know, I, that's when I decided, Hey, you know what? I, I got to put more focus onto uh, this other thing that I'm doing. Uh, and then for you, Nikki, you went to UC Irvine. Uh, was it the same for you with deciding to take a break uh, from UCI? Um, but you also decided to come back and be a student with me right now. So can you just talk more about that? Oh yeah. So yeah, I took a year off, I think. Yeah. It was the third year. 
So I decided to take a year off because I was like normal. I was like, oh yeah, so this is working pretty well for me. I'm just gonna put a hundred percent effort in it for a year and see how it goes. So I think for me personally, I think everything went okay. Everything went well. So the reason I came back is because my mom wanted to, and also because like, I mean, might as well. You know, I can I can just do this because my business is doing well, and it's just I'm just kind of letting it flow right now, go with the flow, and it's pretty much automated for now. So I'm like cool with it. So. That's why I went back and just, you know, just kind of finished my college experience. Um, yeah, have some more fun, you know. That's pretty much why I'm back. But yeah, everything's like automated and cool right now. For for me, being a fourth year, um, I'll be staying another year, but you know, thinking about what to do after after college or and what you know the working life is going to be like. Uh, do you guys ever think about you know? this uh this whole trend with young people where we're kind of comparing ourselves with other people and you know we're kind of comparing the prestige of one job to another job does that does a thought ever come to your mind so for me like personally i don't i don't like to compare myself to others because everybody works at their own pace like it's fine if you're slower it's fine if you're faster like good for you if you're faster there's no reason to like compare yourself to others it's fine to be slower and it's just more about where you end up rather than where you are. Did you ever, was there a phase where you had to like, you were in that mindset, but you had to like, just get over it? I'm not. I don't really compare myself to others. Honestly, it's just, I always understood that like, it's fine to start out slow. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, for example, like going to community college, right? Like you're going to community college. Cool. Like, you start a little slower, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like, you know, me and you, basically, like, you're in UCI, I'm in UCI. We're both at the same place at the end of the day. Like, I didn't go to community college, though, but who cares, right? We're still going to graduate. We're still at the same place. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I agree with uh, that point in the sense of, you know, everyone goes at the same pace. Or, sorry, everyone goes at different paces. <laughs> and so, uh, in terms of, like, comparing uh, others, I think that there's uh, like there are certain times where you just it and inevitably happens, and so and that's cool. Like it's just human nature. We sometimes compare ourselves to others, and we're like, "Yo, what the heck? Why is it that these guys are able to do this, and you know, I'm just here?" And so, like, um, for for it depends on the setting, actually. So I find it more often than not in a setting of like the workforce where you compare things rather than like to someone else who's uh doing their uh, like like for example like an artist or something just doing their own thing right i i don't, I don't usually like I, I and i'm using this example because uh, a friend of mine um you know they talk and they tell me like okay well like you know i'm just doing my own thing like nothing's bothering me uh and compared to other people where uh, they're in an environment where I guess you kind of have to compete in some sort of sense. So school or like a workplace where you're trying to get a promotion or something like that, you generally like start comparing yourself to, to other people. And sometimes in certain cases, I'm not saying all, but like certain cases, they start to have that sort of competitive mindset in a negative way. So what I mean by that is, you know, Hey, we're in this high school where uh, it's quite prestigious now. I want to have a competitive advantage over you. And so, uh, I mean, that way, so I can get into a better university, 
you know, um, um, if we're in a group project, you know, I kind of have to rat you out. And of course, there's actually been cases of this where people would be paired up into a group project and then one person would just say, hey, you know, teacher, professor, whatever, like, yo, this guy, he's not working at all. And they know for a fact that this other person is highly competitive or whatever. And that, and, and like, I'm grateful enough in our field, like, we don't sort of, we don't really have that. Um, we don't have that in the sense of like the people who are successful in e-commerce or social media advertising, we actually share more than we compare. So we're like, yo, dude, this tactic is working so much better for, uh, for like for my business. You should try it out. And so we kind of pass that along to each other in that sort of like tight, you know, group. Whereas, like I said, in like a different setting, you know, you kind of like would want to outcompete someone else just to get a, a small little advantage. And so I'm pretty grateful to be in like a setting like this. And going off of uh, what of Nikki's mom really wanting him to finish college, like what about you, Norman? What about your parents? So my, I think I, well, here's the thing. I actually didn't tell them anything about this until uh, I started to make some money. And so I started paying off the bills. And well, I mean, at the time, I, I believe I was already, I wasn't working. So, and this was like first year of college, I wasn't working at that point. And so uh, I, I was kind of telling you, oh, like, oh, I'm doing this thing. But like, they couldn't say like, oh, stop doing that thing because I, I was still going to school. I was still like, you know, studying or whatever what studying <laughs> but um i was still you know in school and so they it was it was kind of like a hobby in a sense where it's like you're not going to tell your kid to stop playing basketball because they love playing basketball because they have school like you know they're, they're not going to say that so i kind of told them a little bit about it and they didn't really they kind of they just were whatever with it and then when i started like you know uh treating them out to dinners or like lunch and paying for the bills they started like, oh crap, like, like, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, I started telling them like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I don't, I actually don't know if that's the reason why they were okay with it because, you know, I was paying for bills, but my parents are generally really nice and uh, understanding people. So I didn't really get uh, any sort of resistance um, when I was pursuing, um, this journey so yeah i mean i i can't really i unfortunately can't really relate to nikki in the sense that like you know I, I didn't really have any pushback so i'm really grateful that you know i have really supportive parents i i asked that question just because i remember when you guys were starting out like everyone or a lot of people like me included were just like really unsure of what you guys were doing so we were kind of skeptical i was your friend so i i obviously supported you guys i just didn't know what what was going on so and then, you know, just looking around, I think, or the titles, you know, people are really kind of chasing titles of, and trying to get, you know, more prestige than other, others. But at the end of the day, like, we're all just trying to, you know, pay for food, pay for shelter, pay for water. I, I just kind of, I just think it's interesting how, like, you change your mind about all this. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, as long as, you know, you're surviving and you're happy. 
Yeah, and I think I draw, uh, the only reason why I would ever draw a line is when people start complaining. And so, like, if someone, like, is, let's just say, doing e-com, and they were like, oh, like, why isn't this working? Like, what the heck? Like, you know, they get frustrated. That's when I'm like, okay, like, hold, hold on. You chose this. Like, you decided to get into this. And when you do decide to get into this, like, you know, like, the risks it takes, the amount of time and effort you'll need to put into this. And so I'm like, okay, that's when I'm like, yo, it's like, really, man? And this is the same with school. You just like if people start complaining about like school, like what the heck, man, my professor, this, my professor, that I have to spend this much time and I'm spending this much money. Well, that was your choice. You chose to number one, first of all, pay to go to school. You pay for it. And now you're complaining about it. Like that makes zero sense to me. And so in terms of like my mindset, like I think that people are just trying to, you know, make ends meet. People are trying to, you know, get a break and take a vacation. People are trying to take care of their parents. People are trying to do anything they can so that their future is a little bit brighter. And so in, in those type of like groups, like we should help one another. And the problem arises with me is when, you know, people start complaining and like, yo, what the heck? Like, like, and there's a difference between just, you know, venting out things like, oh, just, just, you know, saying things like, oh, like, man, like, this is really stressful, blah, 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 versus actually being mad and like, really angry at the situation that they're in and not doing anything about it. That's kind of when I draw the line. All right. Just a couple more questions, I think. What's it like uh, to work from home for you guys when the whole world is in a pandemic? Um, and isn't it kind of, you know, lonely working on your own sometimes? Uh, working at from home, I think that's just like the normal routine. I mean, this is what I've been doing because, you know, you're running an online store, can't really work anywhere else besides home. Like, uh, maybe go out to Starbucks to work or something. But it's just normal routine. And the part of it being lonely is, yeah, you do get lonely sometimes, especially when you don't have like a girlfriend or whatever, you know, Norman can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> But yeah, you know, like, um, you get lonely sometimes, but it's just like, you get friends to talk to, you know, you play some games with friends. Yeah, you know, talk to your parents, talk to your siblings. And that's how you kind of get through everything. Like, I know most people don't do the same thing I do, like, you know, in terms of business-wise. So it's like, kind of hard to like, relate to other people in other fields and talk about them with you know, business stuff. Because, you know, most people I know, are like, engineers, and they're like, I don't know, others fields which which is fine but you know, it's like hard to relate and it does get lonely but uh, like i said just, you know you, you kind of just go with it and you know talk to friends whatever all that stuff yeah definitely relate to nikki um on both points actually so we've been doing this a while um online wise so most of the stuff is remote and depending on where we go just bring a laptop have wi-fi and we're good to go and on the other uh, and the other point is you know it's gonna be lonely like no matter what like i i can't like i can't say that like oh it's you know everything's hunky dory and dandy or whatever but like it's gonna be lonely and the the thing is i chose it like i knew going in that if 
I put in all my effort into this, I am going to be lonely and I'm going to spend most of my time alone or with only the people I work with. And so like I chose that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. But if it means at the end of the day, in the future, I can take my parents to like vacations, you know, not worry about money, not worry about like the budgeting of food for the month. If it means that, and I have to put in a little, just, just a, like some work, like a couple of years of work here, you know, being lonely there, like I'm okay with it. Like if, if it has to come down to it, like I chose it and I'm okay with it. So um, that's kind of my stance on it. From my point of view, I remember like first time hearing, you know, Norman for you buying your own car and then you too, Nikki, just like a couple years later buying your own car. And, you know, just from my point of view, just like seeing someone my age, like buying their own cars already was just like surreal to me. And Norman with you now, like we were just talking before, like you just bought a house for your, your, your parents and your sister. So, um, you know, super happy to see it for, for, uh, yeah, I'm just super happy for you guys. Um, how, how did it feel when you guys, you know, bought your own cars and then for you, Norman, bu- buying a house? Well, first let's, let's debunk this notion. But, um, first and foremost, it sounds like I bought like myself an exotic car and that's definitely not the case. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not like the typical guru who's going to flash, you know, Lamborghini or whatever, and then, you know, sell a course. Well, first of all, I, I bought myself uh, a, a, a Civ, uh, I think a 2014 Civic or 2016. I don't remember, but uh, oh, 2015, 20, 2015 Civic EX. So it's not like a high-end car, but it's a car where I can use you know every day, not have to worry about like spending a lot of gas, especially now. You know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. So oh, know, wait, wait, let's talk about the 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 car before that one, the the Norman Mobile. Norman Mobile, you mean the Infinity Q45, was it? Yeah, that one. What about it? Um, just like going from that car, which, you know, I remember you, you telling me sometimes it had problems and then, you, oh, you know. Yeah, move, it, was a great, it was a great car, actually. Uh, but, you know, it was really old. It was a 2003 Infinity Q45. And it was just very old and it kept overheating. And I'm like, okay, well. I need a better car where it can get me to places like every day, you know, not worry about gas because dude, that, that infinity car, like drain gas, like, Oh my goodness. I had to go in for gas like every week and it was like 16 miles per gallon or it was like, yeah, miles a gallon. I'm like, dude, that's insane. So, uh, got this, uh, other car, the, the Honda, uh, Civic EX. And it's definitely saved me a lot of money. So I'm happy on that. And on the house front, I didn't buy a house. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, like, I definitely want to get to that point. But um, we're here. We rented a house over in uh, West Covina. And it's a really, really nice house. It's near where my mom works and near the warehouse that we use. So I think ultimately, like, it was like def I'm definitely happy. Right. But I'm not settled yet. Like I want to continue on and, uh, you know, push forward so that in the future I can definitely say like, yay, I bought a house. Um, and 
you know, I can be proud of it. But at the, in the meantime, like, it's definitely, like, an achievement, but I'm not stopping. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, I can relate to Norman on the fact that, like, I'm not a real, like, flashy guy. I didn't buy an exotic car either. Um, it's funny because I bought, like, a very similar car to Norman's. It's also a Honda Civic, <laughs> like, 2015, same year. This is basically, like, a car I can use every day. And, like, I'm not really, I'm not opposed to buying, like, a nice car, exotic car. But that's just not for me right now because um, I tend to drive quite a bit, especially when um, I had, well, went to school in Irvine, right? So that's like an hour drive. I'm not going to drive like really nice Lamborghini like, you know, every week to go to school, right? There's no point in that. Like, I, I still think having a more practical car is good right now. Um, yeah, that was basically my experience with buying a car. That's and why I basically chose like a honda instead of like a nice exotic car didn't you guys go to the dealership together oh yeah i went to a dealership with norman when yeah, he bought his car this guy just paid car off with cash all right all right all right <laughs> not a good financial decision but yeah he was there it's pretty crazy nice yeah i mean looking back i'm like dude that's such a bad move yeah all right one one last thing. Uh, just what's the future for you guys? What are some goals you're looking to accomplish? I mean, for me, it's just right now I'll finish school and then I'm already, you know, working on a brand that I'm building out right now. So in the future, I just want to do the same thing that I'm doing right now, just build brands, make money. I think my goal is to just retire by the time I'm like, before I'm like 40 and then travel, just like, take care of my family do whatever it takes to, you know feed my family make sure they're all fine um make sure my friends are fine you know all that so, like enjoy life yeah um i mean of course we we usually have this like pinnacle of success where you know we can take care of our families and whatnot travel the world etc and so in terms of like the short term like you know future goal but you know still kind of short term is you know right now we're working on a uh cosmetic brand and uh you know i sent your sister some stuff so uh tell her a thank i said thanks for uh you know giving me feedback and content um but you know i want to work that out and build it to something um where i can be proud of and then of course uh moving on to taking care of my family because um like that's the that's the main reason why i'm doing what i'm doing like, like, I'm not just doing this because, like, you know, it's a, I mean, it is a hobby, right? Like, like I definitely love doing it, but it's, I'm not just doing it to do it. Like, I'm also doing it because, you know, I want to take care of my parents. I want to take care of my sister. And um, I want them to enjoy life, like, what I believe is, you know, great. And what I mean by that is... I, so I was a Boy Scout and I would go to a lot of different uh, activities or places or whatever. And I traveled to the world, uh, not around the world, but like to a couple of different places where I deem as paradise. And I, one of my favorite places in the world is number one, of course, Hawaii, but number two, Catalina Island. Like that place is, was such like, it was paradise to me. And I took Nikki once there but like even even with that short amount of time like i wasn't able to show you everything 
but like i i want to have my parents and my sister you know even my friends like to have that same experience that i did to kind of go out you know not have any worries going out like experiencing nature uh doing activities that we've never done before like you know shooting archery things like that and so that's kind of what i want to look at and it's not like like i i don't i don't care if i live in a big luxurious house or not i want to have my uh family and friends experience the world you know having a nice house is cool but nothing beats at least in my opinion nothing beats nature in its finest states uh, like nothing <laughs> i in my opinion but yeah it's just kind of what i want to head towards i think this is the first time uh, a dope post episode reached two hours so uh thank you guys for taking the time and uh they say they say you don't really talk to many of your high school friends like you know years after graduation so i'm glad uh we still we still talk every once in a while uh so yeah thanks uh thanks guys for taking the time yeah thanks for inviting us over yeah.